been having a, almost an impossible time getting away from this topic of faith and talking about the God doing the things that he said he would do and believing him and expecting him to do it. That's the big thing is we need to expect him to do it. We, ex we need to expect him to actually fulfill his word, not because we're making him. See, that's the difference is, uh, you know, some people think, well, if you're going to live by faith, it's like you've made this contract and, and, and you've done your part. Now God has to do his, his part. Well, it's kind of the way it is. But it's even more where it's like you trust him enough. You're in a relationship with God where you trust him that you know if you say he'll do it, he'll do it. You know, if, 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 the, if you as a good parent are, you know, give your children a promise. Hey, if you, know, if you clean up your room and you do this or just because we're going to, our family is going to go do this event and you follow through with it. That's just being a parent. That's just being in a relationship. You're a person of your word. And, and God is way better than we are because there's times when I promise my kids I'll do something and I can't or won't or I'm lazy or whatever it may be. But I'm not perfect. Don't look at me in that holy tone of voice, you guys. I know you've failed too. So just look, we're all in the same boat here. It's quickly how this can digress right into... But God's not a man that he should lie. That's the difference. The difference is that God is not a man that he should lie. And if he says he'll do something, it's, he'll do it. He's, he said it because he wants to do it. It's not because, well, I guess I made a mistake and I promised something that I now have to fulfill, I guess. No, he wants to do the things that he said he'd do. But he, want, he also, there is a responsibility on our part to believe him and to trust him in it and to be obedient to do uh, the things that he leads us to do. So I want to re read this story. It's a fairly familiar story out of Acts. It's about Paul and about the, the, uh, the storm that they went through. And, but there's some things in here that uh, are just amazing. Turn with me to Acts, like you say, uh, like I said, Acts chapter 27, verse 8. It says, We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of La Cie. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided, oh, there's the first problem right there, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix in the, and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. Every day in our lives, decisions get made. Some of those decisions are within our ability to, that we make them. It's our, our decision to do something, to not do something, to go someplace or to not go someplace. We live in a world where we have to make decisions and then live with those consequences. And we ha it happens all the time. We, we decide to, to buy this car and not that car. We, we decide to marry this woman and not that woman. And then we have to live with those consequences. Some of us were blessed enough to make the right choice. Daily, I'm reminded of how blessed I am. 
That was Dick Mann, just so you know. That was... <laughs> but we live with those choices. We live with those decisions. Some of those decisions are ours. But then again, there are some decisions that are not ours. There are things that happen in this world that are outside of our responsibility or our ability to make that decision, but we still live with the consequences. You work for a company, and that company decides to do something, one thing or another, and, and you know, you, I mean, you could either have a, a, a no uh, idea whatsoever of what the consequences or what the idea might be. You're just a... a you're just a, uh, being moved by that company. Or you may be very aware of what might happen with, from that decision. And the decision you're looking at, it kind of like Paul was here and going, ah, don't, no, 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 don't do this. Don't go there. Don't do this. And the, and the ones who actually make the decision make it anyway. And they go in that direction anyway. And now your fate is tied to their decision. Interestingly enough, both of those, whether it's your decision or somebody else's decision that your fate is tied to, is not outside of the realm of God taking care of you. When you look at what's going on in the world right now, and governments, I mean, it isn't just our government. You, know, you, look, you look at anywhere in the world, and, and, and governments are making decisions for their people that are completely outside of the, of the, of the uh, um, uh, ability of the people to, to change the decisions that are being made. I mean, yeah, we get to vote, but once we voted, it's kind of like, here we go, hang on, folks, it's going to be a ride. And if the decisions are made favorable, you go, whew, praise God. And if they're not, hang on. But in the midst of that, in the midst of whatever situation is happening, whether it's your fault or somebody else's, God can still take you through the storm. Even though you may know if we go in this direction, the storm is going to take, the, it's going to take a toll. It's going to take a toll on the cargo. It's going to take a toll on the ship. And it's going to take the toll on our lives. But Paul was not in a position to make any kind of a decision. Why? Because he was in chains. He's just along for the ride. Many times we're just along for the ride. And it'd be, you know, it'd be great if we could make the ultimate decision every, every area that affects our life, but we can't. So here we are. But in the midst of that, God is still in control. Verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. A bad decision can be made, and it can still seem as though it's the right decision for a while. You notice that? You know, people can be justified and say, well, see, a nice gentle breeze is blowing. Of course this was the right decision. Let's go. Here we go. And, and they feel justified in that. But we don't know what tomorrow brings. That's the problem. We don't, we don't have all of the knowledge of, of the future to be able to make every decision where it'll never cause pain for ourselves or somebody else. We can never promise that whatever we do in our life will, will be free of hardship. The exact opposite is true. In most cases, you will experience hardship at some point in time. And just because you experience hardship does not mean that you're outside of the will of God. That's a hard one to grasp a hold of and to accept. Just because you're experiencing hardship at the moment 
does not mean that you're outside of the will of God. There are story after story after story after story of people who experienced hardship and were right in the middle of God's perfect plan for their life. Paul was one of them. We'll see that in just in, in the verses that are coming up. He's even reassured, you're right where you're supposed to be, Paul. I mean, how would you love to be in the middle of a, of a hurricane, in a, in a boat, you know, a wooden boat that's in the middle of the ocean that's, you know, I mean, we'll talk, we'll, you'll see how bad it's about to get. And in the middle of it, you're in the bottom of the ship, chained to the ship. So if the ship goes down, you're what's called a statistic. When the ship goes down sometimes, you're just nothing but a statistic. You can't do anything about it. But in the midst of it, He's reassured, Paul, you're right where you're supposed to be. Remember we talked a few, well, maybe it was last week. When was it we talked about Jesus in the boat? Was that last week? Good. See, I love that because you all knew that, you know, and it's just it's like a pop quiz, you know, just make sure you're all with me. But Jesus knew he wasn't going to die that way. And here's the thing. God told Paul, you're not going to die this way. You're going to, well, we'll get there. I don't want to, I'm getting ahead of myself. But then this wind starts blowing. Verse 14. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island named Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtas, that island, Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that next day, this is going on two days now, they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. You ever experienced that? Been there before, where it's like... <laughs> This ain't turning out good. I don't care what happens at this point. It's not going to be good. No hope. No hope of being saved. These are experienced seafarers. These are guys that know the difference. These guys who have been in the Mediterranean, traveled for years, had experienced things like this. And even they're saying, there's no hope now. There's no hope. There's absolutely no hope. There's so much of a, of a, of a, of an op, you know, of the, the, the statistics are saying this is going to be no hope. They start throwing the cargo overboard. The very reason they're doing what they're doing. That's it. We're out of here. Just take the loss. And the next day, they start throwing the tackle overboard. The tackle are the, are the, uh, the pulleys and the rope and all the things that make the ship move. But they have to lighten the load because the, the, the wave would come over and water would come in. It would start sinking. The, the, every time the, the thing would get, uh, have more water, the, the more weight you have in it, the harder it is to get it to come back up again. 
So they, they, they start throwing overboard the very thing that will cause them to be saved after the storm passes. Say the storm passes in an hour. Now we need to get somewhere. But here we are now adrift in the middle of the Mediterranean somewhere. You ever felt that way? That it's gotten so bad you're throwing over the very supply, the very thing that you, that the whole reason you're on the boat in the first place? Hey, been there. Am there in some ways. I get it. So it's bad. It's so bad, they are, they're, it, it's all hope is gone. So then, here's, the, here's, here's one of the, you know, my, I can't say favorite verse. This is one of the cool verses in the Bible. I love the verses in the Bible that show you that, that it's real, that people are real, that God is real, that, that just, it's just a real story. It's not one of those made-up stories. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. I love it that Paul gets to stand up and say, I told you so. See, what did I tell you guys? Talk about a slave, you know, a, a, a prisoner in the, in the bottom of the ship getting to stand up and tell the captain, I told you so. Now, I, I need to study this a little deeper. Does that mean theologically you can go to the person who's caused the problem and say, I told you so? It's right there. Didn't, he didn't get rebuked for it. I don't know if it'll go over very well. Yeah, exactly. Theologically, yes. Relationally, eh, probably not. Exactly. But I love this because he, he, Paul gets to tell you, I told you so. Verse 22, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Really, how's that going to work out? But here's this guy. I mean, Paul is just another prisoner. Paul's just another guy in the boat. He's told them not to go. They didn't listen to him. Now he gets to tell you, I told you so. But in the same breath, he goes, here's the deal. You guys aren't going to perish. We're all going to make it. How did he know that? How did he know that? Well, the, the, the Bible tells us how he knew that. He goes on to describe it. He's, he has an advantage that they don't have. He has a, a word from God telling him what's about to happen. How could Paul make this statement? What right did he have to still hold out hope? In as bad of situation as they're in, why does he get to have hope and nobody else does? He's not even a, sea, a seafarer. He's, not, you know, he's probably not been on a boat all that much except traveling from one place to the next. He was a, he was a scholar in Israel. He was a scholar in Jerusalem. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a, a fisherman. He wasn't a seafarer. He was just a guy. And now he's in the, in the hold of the ship, chained to the ship. What right does he have to hold out him and go, oh, it's going to be okay, guys? Because the storm isn't letting up. The, the, nothing has changed in the natural. The situation that they were in two days ago, they're still in. It has not changed. If anything, it's worse. It's much worse because we've lost all the cargo. We've lost the means to keep moving once this, if it were to stop. But it doesn't look like it's going to stop. And it doesn't stop. I mean, they're, they're in this for over 14 days. I mean, that's a long time to be thinking at any moment, any one of these waves is our last. Day and night. They are so stressed out, they don't eat for 14 days. 
I mean, that's, I mean, scary. How bad can the situation get? The situation can get very, very bad. To where the point where is there's no hope left. None. I mean, zero. All, any hope that you even could have possibly held out for is gone. And yet Paul stands up and says, you're not going to perish from this. Verse 23, here's why he could say this. Last night an angel of, the, of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. God had given him a word to stand on. God had given him a word. He had sent an angel to tell him, here's the deal, Paul, you have to stand trial before Caesar. You're not going to die here. Your purpose in life, where you're headed, what, the reason I created you, Paul, is not yet fulfilled. You're not dying in this. You're not perishing. And because I like you, because I love you, I'm going to give you the rest of the crew's life too. All, all everybody on that boat are going to be spared also. And so Paul can stand up by faith. He didn't stand up by, you know, I'm just trying to make you guys feel good. We're all going to die. But I just wanted to let you know, come on, guys, hang in there. It's, we're not going to die as bad as we thought we were. No. We're not going to fail as bad as we thought we were. No. We're not, you know, he's not just trying to put a, a, light, a good spin on this problem. He has a word from God saying, Paul, you're not dying this way. You're not going to perish this way. You're not going to fail this way. Because there's bigger things waiting for you, Paul. There's bigger things out there that I've made you for. There's bigger things that you're called to. There's bigger things. There's more important things that you need to do, and you're not done yet. I haven't created you, Paul, to die in the ocean today. I haven't created you, Jason, to die in the sea today. I haven't created you, George, to perish today. I didn't create you, Debbie, to lose everything today. It's not going to happen that way. But the thing is, he had a word from the Lord. He didn't have my encouragement. He had a word from the Lord. And a word from the Lord trumps everything. A word from God trumps everything. Everything changes when you have God's word on it. Now the thing is, you've got to get God's word on it. And you don't get God's word on it by saying, you know, gee, what do you think, Pastor John? Do you think, how do you think this is going to turn out? I don't know, probably going to turn out okay. Good, okay. Whew. I have the word of God that it's going to turn out okay. No, <laughs> you have my going, I don't know. Yes, it's, it's going to turn out fine. Okay, yes. I want to encourage you. It's going to look bad. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> Are they going to survive? Ah, it's going to take a miracle. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> it's not an encouraging word. It's a word from God. How is this going to turn out? And you don't get a word from God by just waking up in the morning going, yeah. That's how they took off in the first place. That's how they made the wrong decision in the first place. Is that, 
Wind's blowing in the right direction. Let's go that way. Let's go that way. Okay, God has promised me we can go this way. I don't have my wallet on me. Pretend I have a wallet. Yeah, sounds normal. It's in my visor. Inside joke. My wallet. Oh, yeah, I got a couple bucks here. Let's go. Here we go. Let's go this direction. Uh, you know, I haven't heard God tell me not to go. Oh, I think I'm going to go. No. Paul had a word from the Lord. He, he sought God. I'm sure... I mean, because he couldn't help with the boat. He couldn't help bail. He couldn't help do all those things. He, he was chained to the boat. He was chained in the, hull of the bottom of the boat. And if the sailors aren't eating, he's not eating. So he decided to fast and pray. And so he's sitting down there. Some of you caught that. You got that. Okay, good. He's seeking God, going, God, what's going on here? You know, is this, is this it? What's happening? I'm listening, God. I've got nothing else to do here. What's going on? He got real serious because it was real serious. And he did whatever it took to hear the voice of God. And, and God answered him and gave him a word. This is what's going to happen. You're going to survive. You don't get a word from God by, by taking your Bible, opening, you know, looking at it and going, okay, Lord, it's getting bad. It's getting real bad. I don't know what's about to happen here, Lord. What's the answer to my problem? A king's wrath is like the roar of a lion. He who angers him forfeits his life. Oh, shoot. Oh, no. I am in so much trouble. I mean, that's the one I actually pointed to. It's right there. Let's try that again. Oh, God. Christian Ouija board. Oh, God, what's going to happen? Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. <laughs> but they would not listen to any of my, pay attention to me, declares the Lord. I mean, you see what I'm saying? You know, you can stick your finger in there and come up with anything that sounds bad. Or if it just happens to sound good, you're going, oh, yeah, no, that's not a word from the Lord. A word from God is, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. I have nothing, I'm, I'm done. It's bad. We're lost. My situation, we don't have to wait till that point. You know that? I mean, you don't have to wait till the, we can, you know, that's maturity. Maturity is, 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 is asking that before you take off. How's this going to turn out, God? He will answer you when everything's lost. But he will also answer you before you, before you take a single step. Lord, what do I do? Now, his answer may be, take a step. But then you know you've got at least enough grace to take the first step. And then he may tell you to take another step. But as we're listening to God, as we're getting a word from him, we can trust that word. And as we take our steps, even though we don't know what the outcome is, you know, Paul didn't know what was going to happen beyond the storm. But he just knew that that storm, he's getting through. He had no idea that when he, when he got to Caesar, if Caesar was going to go off with his head and be done, done. He wasn't promised anything, but he was promised he wasn't, he wasn't going to die in this storm and that everybody else was going to make it. Getting a word from God. You can do that. You don't need me. You don't need the, the spiritual, you know, the, the, the 
biblical Ouija board. You don't need to get it from whomever. You can get it for yourself. You can say, okay, God, here's the deal. I got, a, I got something going on in my life, and I need help. What's your answer? Lord, I'm listening. And then you actually listen. You wait. And sometimes he answers you right away. And sometimes he waits till the middle of the night. Other times it may be days, weeks. It could even be years. And you just got to wait. Okay, God. There's been things I've asked him about, saying, Lord, what's the deal on this? How, how, do, we, how do we answer this situation? How do we deal with this? How do I deal with this? And it's been a long time. Weeks, months, even years. And then all of a sudden he says, step, go now. Step, and it works. Amazing. If we would have stepped before that, we would have failed. But you need to get that word from the Lord. You need, it's that important. It's so important that you hear his voice. Because when you have his word on it, now, how do you get that word? It may be from the Bible. It, it, in many ways, it will be from the Bible. But it doesn't come from the... It's just from being diligent of being in the Word and being in the Word and being in the Word and, and not coming at it going, okay, God, today's the day. Verse 6 has got to have the answer for me. No, it's just being in the Word and being in His presence. It may be verse 6. It may be, it may be uh, uh, who knows? It could be anything. But we're listening. It could be an angel standing next to your bed in the middle of the night going, it's okay. You're going to make it. We had an answer to, to something even before we knew there was a problem. How many years? 11, 13, 12 or 13 years before Ethan was born. Somebody spoke a word about our child who was going to be born someday and told Deb, it's going to be okay. So in the middle of it, I had forgot about that word. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I, but she said she was laying on the, on the bed getting ready for the C-section and remembering what he had said 13, 12, 13 years before that, it, Debbie, it's going to be okay. And that was the anchor for her soul at that moment. So it could be before, it could be after. It could be in the middle of it. It doesn't, it, it's just whenever you hear from God, that's, that's how it works. But you need that word from God. And don't settle for something cheap. And you'll know. How do you know if it's a cheap word? If it's just one of those, yeah, okay, I was playing the game. It's whether it's, there's that peace in your heart. There's a peace inside of you that goes, yeah, that's the answer. Even though the answer is crazy. Even though the answer is over the top. Even, you know, whatever it may be. But it's the, it's the right answer. You know it's the right answer. And it may not be the majority's rule. The majority decided to take off. They were wrong. One person said, don't go. He was right. Got to tell him, you were wrong. If you pick up nothing else this morning, nothing else, you've got to grab a hold of the fact that you need the word of the Lord. What is it worth to you to hear the word of the Lord for your situation? What is it worth? Is it worth time? Is it worth effort? Is it worth, you know, embarrassment? There's been times when people have wanted me to make a decision now. And I'm going, I can't. I cannot make that decision right now. Why not? Are you indecisive? I just don't know the answer yet. That's just, you know, you get, you get ridiculed for it. Wow, come on now. I cannot tell you. I cannot make that decision right now. Why? Because I don't have the word of the Lord yet. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
I could make an arbitrary decision and it'd be the wrong one, more than likely. What is it worth to you? Is it worth your pride? Is it worth time? Is it worth saying no to the television and picking up the Bible instead? Is it worth loss of sleep? Maybe God wants you to stay up for a while, or maybe he wants you to get up early for a while. I don't know. There's no, there's no uh, rubber stamp here of how God's going to speak to you. But he's going to speak to you if, you if you do what he tells you to do. If you listen, if you go, God, I'm, I'm, I'm listening, God. I'm ready. Let's go. But you've got to hear the word of the Lord. And it's not just for the big, uh, the, the ships going down, folks. Ooh, I better start listening for God. No, it can be for the little things. It can be ahead of time, you know, for the little decisions. Should I take this job or should I not take that job? Should I buy that car or should I not buy that car? Hey, I, I, I was looking at a car one time and I was like, that's the car for we're supposed to buy. It was really funny. We were buying a car a while back. It was, it was a choice between two different cars. And, this, and I was like, boy, I really like the way that one looks. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he just said, yeah, just sit here and think about it for a while. So we're standing there, and we're looking at the two cars, and we're thinking about it. All of a sudden, the, the salesman comes out and goes, oh, this one is sold. This, some young kid had just bought it. I mean, seconds before I said, yeah, I'll take that one, because that's the one I wanted. He drove it off the lot. We decided to buy the other one. Within a couple of hours, we were still filling out the paperwork. The kid drove it back. He goes, this thing's a piece of junk. He's like, I only got a couple miles down the road, and started doing this and started doing that. I'm going, thank you, Jesus, because that's the one I wanted listening for his voice wait stop don't go right now have another cup of coffee this afternoon hearing the voice of god letting him lead you step by step day by day <coughs> verse 27 on the 14th night we were still being driven across the adriatic sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land they took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In, attempt, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Don't mind us. We're just dropping some anchors here. No, don't look over here. Everything's good. You guys are fine. You're just fine. Everything's good here. Nothing to see here. It's all good. The sailors had a contingency plan. They had heard the word of the Lord. How did they hear? Because they knew God? No. But because Paul, who did know God, had heard the word of the Lord, he says, if, if you guys all stay on the boat, you're going to survive. Nobody leaves the boat. We're going to make it. You're going to survive. You're all going to survive. Not just the sailors with the lifeboat. You're all going to survive. You're all going to make it. But the sailors are going, no, nah, I think I'm going to have a little plan B here, just in case. Tell you what we're going to do. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Now, here's, here's where i got to stop. I'm making fun of the sailors. I'm, I'm joking about it. But here's the deal. It makes sense. They're sailors. They get it. We're going aground, folks. And at least we should have the lifeboats ready. Because when we go aground, this is not going to be pretty. They were seasoned. They had done it before. They had been in the middle of stuff like this. They knew what it was like. And they're thinking, we need to get the lifeboats ready. So when you're in the middle of whatever crisis is going on in your life, pick one in the last two weeks or ten weeks or 
next upcoming two weeks, when you're in the middle of that crisis, you will have an opportunity to go, I think we need a plan B just in case this doesn't work out the way God said it was. We all do it. We all do it. I do it. In my head, I have plan B, C, D, and E. Because I like to know what's going on. I like to be in control. I really do. I'm sorry, but I just do. Don't I, Deb? <laughs> I like having contingencies. I really do. But there are times when you don't have a contingency. They had the word of the Lord. When you have the word of the Lord, oh my goodness, here we go. It's like putting everything on that word of the Lord and going, here we go, we're going to ride on this baby. They were thinking ahead. In case this didn't work out the way they had hoped, we've got plan B. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and let the lifeboat drift away. They started listening to Paul. Praise God. They started going with plan A. Paul, who was right about not leaving, he's now giving them some hope, saying, God told me if we all stay with this ship, we're all going to live. They cut the contingency plan. They cut it off. Done. We're going to go all in on this one was the right decision in the natural to put out the lifeboats? Yes. But the wrong decision in the spirit, by the word of the Lord, the wrong decision was to have plan B. Why? Why was that important? Why is that so important? Because God knows the answer. And all he wants you to do is trust him and believe him and act upon it. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe him. And he wants you to act upon it. The plan was to stay with the boat. The angel said they would all survive. But some were ready for plan B to be implemented. Verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You're going to need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made it for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. 
The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept, him from carrying, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. The word of the Lord was true. They lost, all their, their, they lost the ship, they lost all their equipment, they lost all the cargo, but not a single life was lost. If God gives you a word, stand on it. By faith. You have nothing else to go on. He had nothing else to go on. There is nothing there. There is nothing that would say any other answer than you're all going to die. Except the word of the Lord says, you're not. Don't get off the boat. Don't let anybody else get off. I mean, come on now. The building is burning down. Block the exits. How does that play on 60 Minutes? Here's the thing. Because I, I think about this all the time. I actually got really nervous this week when I felt like God was speaking to me and saying, I want you to talk on, on, on cutting loose the contingencies. No contingency plans. You believe me 150 billion percent or nothing. You're in all the way. Cut the contingency plan. You don't have a second plan. You don't have a plan B. Get rid of it. Now I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's faith. Oh, yeah, we can stand on that. Here we go, God. Well, that sounds great until somebody says, does that mean we don't go to the doctor? Do you see my concern? That's how you end up on 60 Minutes. Really, Pastor, did you teach your people not to go to the doctor? Well, it's kind of like this, you know? Or, did you really tell the people to do this? Is it, you're telling God to trust, you know, trust, trust God against all circumstances. No matter what the, no matter what the, uh, the natural is telling us, you're supposed to trust God completely. Yes, yes, but then they took that and they made this decision. Ooh, yeah, they did, didn't they? Whew. But here's the deal. I prayed a lot about this this week. I did. I mean, this one, I, I even talked to some leaders. I went, I got to talk to you guys about this because here's what I feel like I'm supposed to say. What do you guys think? You can see the problem with this. But as I was praying about it, the Lord spoke to me and he said, here's the deal. Paul had a word from the Lord. What if the word of the Lord had said, get in the lifeboats? Then you get in the lifeboats. If the, if the word of the Lord had said, everybody dive into the sea right now. You dive into the sea. Now that's really crazy. But if that's what God says to do, then that's what you do. If he says, go to the doctor, you pray about it. You're praying about it and you're, and you're going... I think absolutely, because I'm not against doctors, in the least. I, I thank God for doctors. Doctors have saved my wife's life. They've saved my child's life. They've saved my life. Taking medicine has saved my life. Two times I've had infections from, from different things, and, and because of it, if I hadn't taken the medicine, I mean, God could have, God could have said, don't take the medicine. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. I mean, that would have been interesting. But I had no problem. I prayed about it. I said, Lord, what do I do? Take the medicine. Okay. Take the medicine. 
But that's his plan. You see what I'm saying? This has to be done in balance. It has to be done. Now, is there times when you don't take the medicine? Yeah, probably. I've heard of it before where God said, don't do that. Go this direction instead. Then at that point, you do what you hear God saying. Not what you hear me, what, God, what I think God is saying to me. Because God may be saying to me, take the medicine, man. But God's telling you, don't do it. I can't make your decisions. Your neighbor can't make your decisions. The, you know, Bible roulette cannot make your decisions. You need to have a word from the Lord. Because that's your answer. And it may be, take the medicine. It may be, don't take the medicine. And that's where you stand on what you hear God, but you better make sure that's God. That's the difference. You had better be sure. That's where you stay up a little longer. Even, now, God, did you really say this? Because I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity here to, to clarify this, because I want to make sure. God's okay with that. Is that lack of faith? No. It's not lack of faith. It's just being obedient to him. It's listening to him going, okay, God, I trust you to give me the right answer here. That's the right answer? Because there's plenty of opportunities when you're going to get that answer. I'm in the middle of one of those right this second. God said, go all in on this one. Okay, I'm all in. I know some of you are all in on some things. No contingency on this one. I'm all in, and it's crazy. It's so crazy. If you really knew the full extent of, all, of everything that God is telling these people to do, you'd be going, really? That doesn't make any sense. That's not what I would do. Right. Contingencies. Even if it's, even if it's crazy contingency. Don't take the, I know people who would take the crazy contingency just because it's crazy, and they think that's more faith. Eh. That's hyperfaith. That's, that's, that's goofiness. There's enough craziness in the kingdom of God without having to manufacture more craziness. Another avenue for God to, uh, another avenue in case God doesn't come through for you. We are taught to diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Keep that ace in the hole. But when God gives you a plan, you need to follow the plan. The Bible is full of people who had contingency. Abraham had Hagar. Saul decided to make his own sacrifice because he because Solomon or not Solomon, Samuel didn't show up, and so he goes, "All right, then I'm going to make the sacrifice." He lost his kingdom over it because he had a plan B. Jonah decided to take the first boat in the opposite direction. Jacob decided to trick his brother out of the blessing, and I believe that he paid for 21 years of his life for it. At least, if not more, his sons tricked him and thought, made him think that his son was dead for all those years. Because of that seed that he sowed, that plan B. Well, if God doesn't give me the birthright, doesn't make me the, the, the one, then I'm going to do it for myself. I'll do it. I'll take plan B. He took plan B and he paid for it dearly. The children of Israel, time after time after time, God said, Go. And their, their plan B was, we can always go back to Egypt. They got onions there. <laughs> they get to the promised land. They can see the promised land on the other side. Yeah, but there's, there's giants. Don't go. There's, there, the majority said there's giants. 
Don't go, it's too dangerous. And they went, yeah, let's take plan B. Let's wander around in the desert till we die. Do you notice that if they would have gone in and their greatest fear was they were going to die, they stayed and they died. Slower and more painful. At least over there they'd have had milk and honey. And they would have won. Even though it's crazy. The majority voted and said, I don't think we should do this. I don't think we should trust God. Yep, you're right. Let's go. Let's take plan B. Why did you bring us into the desert to die? God's plan may take a while, but his word will accomplish everything it was set forth to do. And I wanted to read that verse. I just wanted, I quoted it, but I want, to sh I want you to go there. I want you to read this one over and over this week. Read this one over. Verse, or it's Isaiah 55.10. Isaiah 55.10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Every word of God, every word that God speaks to you will not return void. It will accomplish everything that he sent it forth to do. That's one of those verses. That's one of those passages. I, I say it to myself over and over. God said this is what I'm supposed to do. I will not return to me void. It will accomplish everything he sent it forth to do. You can encourage yourself with that verse because he spoke it to you. He spoke it to us as his children, as his seed. He said, this is my word to you. You will accomplish everything I've sent you to do. Yeah, but Lord, this is a crazy one. Exactly. I'm going to help you accomplish the crazy. Yeah, but Lord, this is scary. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? I'm going to help you accomplish the scary. But Lord, this is impossible. I know. That's what's so cool about it. Let's go. Because my word says, I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, it's going to work. Because of our relationship, because of what I've done for you, because of who you are to me, I'm saying it's going to work. Go. Okay. And you step into a whole new realm. But, but it's not because it's, you know, you roll the dice and, you know, the urm and the thummim and, and, you know, everything is working out, out that way. You know, everything worked out the way it's supposed to. No, it's because you have the word of the Lord on it. Don't move until you have the word of the Lord. Don't move. But when you do, let's go. Amen? Stand, please. Father, help us. This is a scary one. Cutting the lifeboat ropes are scary. Father, we need help on this one. I need help on this one. Sure up our legs, Lord. Sure up our knees. Hold us together on this one, Father. Because, Lord, if we're going to go all in on whatever it is you're telling us to go all in on, then there is no other answer. That, <laughs> that's the answer. That right there is the answer. And it's the answer. Lead us, Father.
Help give us that peace that we need, the, pay, the peace that passes all understanding that we're going to need to go all in on whatever you're telling us to do. Help us to get there, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Chairs up. <laughs> Thank you. No chair, no youth group. That's right, no youth group this week. No, no Bible study this week. Um, addresses. Ricky is running. She's ambling back to the address table as we speak. There is the Friday morning ladies Bible study, though, so uh, show up for that. So don't have to take down the chairs. Fellowship. Talk to Ricky.